I've learned as much from players as players have learned from me as a coach. Like these are talented people who have had to find their own way to develop their skills and their ideas and their knowledge of the game helps you learn also, and particularly when you're with the best performers like you are in the NBA. Welcome to the MBL Podcast, music, basketball, and life, a podcast where all entertainment intertwines. Here's your host, singer and songwriter, Nick Aquilino. Dan, what's going on, my friend? How are you, Nick? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm back home in South Florida, just graduated college. I am feeling amazing. What about you? Yeah, we're in Central Florida, and... uh... You know, on most days, enjoying good weather, and we're just uh, having fun and trying to ride out the pandemic. Exactly, exactly. Well, it must be amazing just being home with the family right now. I know I'm loving having my dad back. Um, I think he's actually going back to work on Saturday, tomorrow, actually, finally. So, you know, it was great to have him home while he was, some good bonding time. And it looks like I'll be heading back to Boston soon, too, so... Well, that's good. I mean, you know, I I just hope as everything gets back to normal that everybody's as safe as they can be um, about everything and, and try to maintain some distancing and wear face masks and everything else. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people out there more vulnerable than others. And, and I exactly. think, we to, yeah, we got to try to take care of each other and, and at the same time normalize as much as we can. Yes, exactly. We're definitely going into a new normal, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, so I actually wanted to bring you on today because I wanted to see how we can relate music and basketball and see, you know, how, how the two forms of entertainment, how the two forms of work, how the two forms of uh, just, just having that championship mindset, how they can intertwine and work with each other. All right, let's go. So that being said, uh, my first question to you is, of course, you started out coaching in college, which was something I didn't know until I was doing some research. And I was wondering what the transition was like uh, going from coaching college to moving into the NBA. It was difficult. I, I think the good thing for me was is that I came into the NBA and was an assistant for eight years. So right. I got a chance to learn the league without having to be the prime decision maker. Um, you know, I got to come in Miami as Pat Riley's assistant and everything else, um, you know, because it is a big transition. The players are better. They're more experienced. Uh, they're smarter. And there's so many more games. And so your preparation time for games is is limited. Everything is sped up. And, and um, I was very fortunate um, to work under, not only work under Pat, but to work with other good people, Scotty Robertson, Bob McAdoo, Eric Spolstra, you know, and, you know, learn as we went, uh, as we went along. So that helped. That's, that's amazing. I think having those people around you that can, that can not only help you when you're, you're kind of lost for words sometimes, or, you know, in decision-making, they're there to pick you up. And that's why I think, you know, having, those incredible individuals around you just just makes it all easier. Yeah, there's no question. I, I think that, you know, I've been fortunate throughout my entire career, college and the NBA, um, to work for and with 
outstanding coaches and outstanding people um, who I've learned a lot from. And, and also, and I think here's the part that, you know, people sometimes miss, and I'm sure it's the same in, uh, in music, right, is that I've learned as much from players as players have learned from me as a coach. Like, these are talented people who have had to find their own way to develop their skills and their ideas and their knowledge of the game helps you learn also, and particularly when you're with the best performers like you are in the NBA. Of course, of course. And that's also with uh, the producers I've had the fortune of working with as well. Uh, they've taught me the ropes of uh, every detail that goes into making a song that can speak to so many different people. So yeah, that's so important. Uh, you know, going on to and go bouncing off of that, um, one thing about you, which I love, and I actually, when I was talking to Coach Rex Walters, he called you the prime encyclopedia of basketball. He was like, Nick, just as, just as you like to uh, study music and you, you call yourself a music encyclopedia, um, he called you the prime basketball encyclopedia when it comes to analyzing players, the game, the game itself. Uh, so, you know, when you're analyzing a player and the game itself, uh, where, where exactly do you start? Do you have a particular starting point? And what would be your message to anybody in any particular profession that is trying to start out? Wow, that's a lot. Okay, so I, I think when I'm looking at a player, I might be a little bit different in that, you know, I think the things that are often the most noticeable are the sports skills, the basketball skills, and the athleticism. Those are noticeable. Um, but what I'm really trying to look at is the decision-making ability of, of a player. Um, if they know when to pass, when to shoot, when to dribble, when to help defensively, things like that, I, I think that is what really separates players uh, at the highest level. Um, the best example is Dwayne Wade. I, I think even as Dwayne first came into the league, people questioned his ability to shoot the ball. But he, even at that time, he shot a very high percentage. Why? Because he knew the shots that he could and couldn't make. He played to his strengths, and he was talented enough to get to those strengths. His decision-making was just a notch above other people. So that's the first thing I look at with players. With teams, if I'm watching a game, you know, I, I first want to get an idea of what their plan is um, as a team. You know, what's their game plan um, going in? And it should be readily identifiable in terms of how they want to play the game. And then from there, once you know their plan, you're looking at how well they execute that plan and how bought in their players are to that. Um, you know, are they going to stick with what's going on? And then for the last part, as far as advice I would give to people, um, you know, to me what it's always been about, and I, I got this from my dad. My dad coached for, for 40 years, and, you know, there's all the normal stuff, you know, work hard and all of that. But I, I think the, the best advice is just, number one, find something you're really passionate about because, you know, like my dad would always say, never felt like he worked a day in his life and he coached for 40 years. Right. And I think it's the same thing for you in music. Like you don't feel like you're working. If you were working at something else, you'd be doing that as a hobby. That's how much you enjoy it. 
right? And so I think you find that passion. But then I think it's, it sounds simplistic, but just work at getting better every day. For, focus on your craft, focus on your job getting better, and the rest of it, your next job and everything else, your career advancement will take care of itself. You need some luck. You're either going to get it or you don't. But the only thing you can control is being as good as you can possibly be at what you do. And you need to stay focused on that every single day. Yes, that is so valuable. Uh, you know, going back to even what you see in a player, um, that's the same thing with me as an artist. Uh, we live in a day now where artists are able to do a lot of things by themselves in which they don't need a record label necessarily. But, you know, it comes to the point where it's like, oh, okay, I'm not the best at graphic design. You know, I, I figured out that I, I am best at writing the songs, at executing in production and performing. So for me, it's like, okay, am I willing to pass the tasks that I'm not necessarily strong at uh, to the rest of my team? And that way we can create a valuable product. So I think that, that is, that's so valuable. Um, so moving on, what do you think are the main things that performers and artists can learn from the discipline that the great athletes that you've had the privilege of coaching uh, that they've showcased? What do you think we can learn from that? Well, first of all, I think that you can learn, you know, we could learn as much athletes, coaches, business people could learn as much from artists. Like you can all learn from each other because, you know, outstanding performers anywhere, um, have things that they can teach us and that we can learn from. Um, but I would say the big thing that you can learn from athletes, anybody, is they are in a profession where we keep score, literally keep score. And so there's as much failure as there is success in any one game. And, and so I think what athletes or anyone in sports have to learn, I mean, it's just an absolute must, is the ability to bounce back from losses, bounce back from failures, and to keep moving on. I remember I'm a big baseball fan, and um, probably right around 2000, I, I was out watching a Marlins game, and we went down in the dugout before the game, and I was talking to a guy who was a really good player, Cliff Floyd, for the Marlins. And I asked him a very similar question. I said, what can basketball players learn from baseball players? And he said how to deal with failure. He said because the best hitter in baseball at some time during the season is going to go 0 for 20. And now can you keep pushing through that or are you crushed by that? And, and, and so I think that's something that athletics, if you can't bounce back, you don't have a chance because the best athletes are going to lose. They're going to fail. They're going to strike out. They're going to miss shots. They're going to miss big shots that make the difference between winning and losing. And everybody in every profession is going to go through it. It just might not be as public or as easily identifiable. Right. I mean, I go through that all the time with my artistry you know there's sometimes where i'll put a video up and it gets a lot of warm reception and then there's some days where the video that you put up doesn't get the same type of reception but you know what at the end of the day um i guess it's that mindset where it's like okay i left it all out on the floor both metaphorically and literally yeah. and 
um, you just keep going on from there because it comes down, I think, to that, that sense of self-belief and that sense of self-empowerment. I agree. And, and it also, you have to separate your own self-evaluation from the result, whether the result's winning or losing a game or whether the result is how many people view you, how many people come to a concert, how many people buy what you're selling. Because a lot of times it doesn't add up. You know, I know that for myself. I've come out of games that I've lost where I've thought I've done a really good job and I've come out of games that I've won and said, boy, we got lucky because I screwed some things up. I mean, they don't necessarily go hand in hand. And I think you have to learn to be objective in your analysis of how you and your team have done that doesn't necessarily um, depend on the result. Wow. That, that was amazing. Uh, so knowing you, I, I would say, you know, judging, judging from how I know you, you seem like a guy that stays in routine a lot and it keeps a solid, uh, solid rhythm throughout the day. So, you know, back in the day when you were, uh, any time before a game, did you have a specific pregame routine that you would go through throughout the day leading up to a game? Yeah, I mean, a game day routine normally for us is, you know, we'd have a uh, staff meeting around 8 o'clock in the morning and talk about the game plan for that night's game, uh, get that all together. Um, at about 10 o'clock, we would meet with our team to do film of the opponent that night and to go out on the court and walk through our game plan and what we wanted. And then generally after walkthrough, I would do a little bit more film uh, preparation of my own for the night, but not a lot more. It was pretty much done. Um, and then get over to the arena if I was in a, you know, some of the jobs I was in, the practice facility where we did the walkthrough was a different place than the game facility. So then I'd go down. Oh, I got you. And then basically relax for a couple of hours there just could take a nap, could watch some TV, could listen to some music, could, you know, listen to a podcast, whatever. Um, you know, and then I would go in and prepare, put our notes on the board for the pregame meeting and start getting prepared. And then, you know, the players start getting there and, and you're into it a couple of hours before the game. And, um, you know, so it was pretty much the same all the time. Yeah. Nice. Yep. It's nice to keep that solid rhythm. So during that relaxing time, uh, what were your favorite go-to records to listen to? Well, see, I'm a little bit different. I'm old. So, um, but you know, my favorite group as far as around basketball, um, and you know, my first year as the head coach in Miami, we got off to a really, really bad start. Okay. We lost our first seven games. We lost, 15 of our first 20. I mean, we were really, really oh, strong. And, and, you know, like, it's hard on teams. And, and so just uh, you, you wanted to change the atmosphere a little bit. And so we came in every day with the same two songs while we stretched every day, okay? Ain't No Stopping Us Now by McFadden and Whitehead. Uh, Classic. Yeah, they used to call it the Philly Anthem, right? Because they're from yep. Philly. And so we would listen to that, and we would listen to You Ought to Be Having Fun by Tower of Power. I grew up in the Bay Area in uh, California, and Tower of Power is a uh, 
Bay Area group that I loved, and we followed them from out there. And Kim and I have seen them in concert, and you know they're I, incredible. You know, yeah, I love their stuff. I mean, their horn sections as as good as it gets, and it's a it's a fantastic group. So I, I would listen to them, and then I love all the uh, old Motown stuff. You know, I, I love that. I love Aretha, and I, and I really, you know, when we moved to Detroit, we were there for four years. Obviously, um, there's a lot of entertainers from there. That's where Motown was. Oh, of course, the Motown Museum. Aretha was still performing. Um, so yeah, th those are my favorites, but then on the more mellow side, you know, John Legend, um, we love know. John Legend. Yeah. I, I look, I mean, we actually got to meet him in Miami, um, just a few months ago. Uh, we were down there for a, uh, fundraiser for the, uh, Florida rights restoration coalition that did amendment four to restore voting rights to, um, you know, returning citizens. And John Legend had been big in that movement. So we went to a fundraiser and he actually played literally, we were in somebody's living room. Kim and I were 20 feet away from John Legend while he played all of me and a couple of other songs. I mean, it's just a phenomenal experience. Wow, that's incredible. Speaking of John Legend, uh, Small World, my school actually every year they honor significant artists within the music industry with honorary doctorates. Uh, so for the class of 20. 20 this year, uh, they gave John Legend an honorary doctorate. Oh, wow. So I got to uh, virtually perform with him on, uh, on uh, I, think, I think they just edited a performance video together. And, you know, we sang down our parts. And it was really cool how they did it. So uh, he did Ordinary People, a song called If You're Out There. And then they had him do What's the Buzz from Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> yeah, well, we just watched um, Jesus Christ Superstar was on... TV again just a couple of months ago. We watched that. I mean, he's a phenomenal performer. We'd seen him in concert in Michigan. Uh, we had great seats there just a couple rows away. And, and we've always really, really liked him. So um, it was a thrill to, to get to meet him. And, uh, you know, I, I will say I've never been one that has been awed by celebrity. Only a few times in my life I, I, I met Oscar Robertson, who was my basketball hero growing up, and I was like a little kid. I mean, I really was. He must have been like, what's up with this guy, you know? Um, and then with John Legend, it was pretty much the same thing, uh, and Barack Obama. Those are my three, like, when I've shaken their hands, you're just like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, I, I was in awe, I, really childlike in awe. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, that was the same way when I first met Phil Collins. I was like, I was like, oh, man, this is Nick. Keep it together, man. Yeah. Yeah. You want to act like, yeah, it's no big deal. I, I, I run in these circles all the time. But then you meet people like that and you're like, no, no, this is this is thrilling. And, and we, you know, there have been a few like that. Not every celebrity, but we met Aretha long before we went to Detroit. We were actually at Meisner Park in uh, Boca Raton. She right. did a concert there. And a guy we knew from our church down there ran security at Meisner Park. And he said, oh, you want me to get you backstage afterwards? I was like, oh, my God. I got my picture taken with her. I still have it here in our house. And it was, uh, you know, it was thrilling. I mean, uh, oh, man, that just is incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. 
Now, going back, you were talking about uh, one of the charity causes that you're a part of. Um, I wanted to ask, um, you know, one thing about you that inspires me so much is how involved you are with the community. And I was wondering if you wanted to elaborate on um, any projects you have in which you're helping out the community right now. Well, you know, I think like a lot of people, right, we know everybody's going through a tough time in this, yes. in this pandemic. And so we gave some thought um, to how to do it, uh, you know, who, who are the best groups to get things to people. So we've supported up here in Central Florida, the Second Harvest uh, Food Bank, um, because, I mean, it's the most basic of needs. Uh, and there's a lot of people trying to help people. You can't help everybody. Um, but they were doing a great job. Um, one of my daughters, Allie, works down in Miami at a nonprofit called Branches that helps underprivileged kids. Both that their main job is, ed or at least her main job is helping middle and high school kids educationally. But in this pandemic, they've also moved to feeding people. So we help them. Um, and then just, you know, a lot of issues. I I've gotten involved. Um, trying to be supportive of a group called the Players Coalition, which is really a group of NFL players who have gotten involved in criminal justice reform. And they've done a lot of good work, not just, and I think people see them protesting, kneeling on the field, but this group has gotten involved. They even write legislation and get it to wow. people and recommend it and everything else. They've taken a lot of their own time. And so we've tried to be supportive of them, both in writing op-eds and things like that of support, putting our name on their initiative, um, going in this area to town halls. I've worked with Anquan Bolden, former NFL wide receiver, who's down there on a couple of things. And, you know, just trying to support them in their work. Like, I'm not the guy out front. Um, just trying to be supportive because I'm so impressed that there's a group of athletes taking their time while they're still in their career, um, time out of their busy lives and everything else um, to work on these issues. So that's just some of the things that, that we're doing um, and involved in. And there's, there's a lot more, but um, you know, those are the main ones. I, I guess the other thing, Kim and I spent some time on, we taught a class at uh, one of the state prisons up here in Tomoka Correctional Institute in Daytona. Um, an incredible experience once a week. And I think we ended up doing about 10 weeks before, wow. the, uh, before the pandemic. We were supposed to go a lot longer, obviously. And we came to be absolutely inspired by those guys. I mean, uh, there's quite a few guys in that class who are who are in for life and yet they're taking college level classes and these were the most intelligent engaged people that I've been around and you know the pandemic hit and quite honestly one of the things we've missed the most is being able to go up there and not just teach the class but just get to talk to those guys and um just a really, really special group of 20-some people and uh, one of the best experiences I've had. Wow. Well, that is, that's incredible and so inspiring. You know, I, the more and more my career grows, uh, the more and more I actually want to get involved in a lot of 
uh, charitable opportunities such as that. So, yeah, that's that's amazing to hear. Um, so my last question for you would be, um, so who would you say inspired you the most throughout your career? And what would you say continues to inspire you to this day? Well, I, there's no doubt. I mean, in, in my career, I mean, it was inspired by my family. You know, my dad coached for 40 years and then my brother got into coaching. And, and so those are probably my two biggest professional inspirations. Um, in terms of away from basketball and just the way you want to live your life, I mean, there have been a lot of people inspired me, but I think like most of us, you're inspired mainly by by your family. I mean, I'm inspired by my wife. I'm inspired by my kids. And you know you're out there in public and you want to represent them well and, you know, not embarrass them and, and do things that they can be proud of. I think that's inspiring. And then you run into inspiring people all over the place. Like, you know, I talked about these guys who work in the Players Coalition have inspired me to try to do more. Um, the people we worked with um, and got to talk to at the Correctional Institution inspired me. The guy who runs that program, Andy Eisen, a professor at Stetson, in, he and his wife inspire me. I mean, there's just, there's so many people doing so many good things. Agreed. Um, and they just inspire, you know, they inspire us to to want to do more ourselves and everything else. Um, so there's no shortage of inspiration um, if you just pay attention to what's going on. Exactly. You know, I, I challenge myself every day I wake up to be like, okay, what is going to be that one random thing that hits me in between the eyes uh, this specific day that's going to inspire me for the rest of my life? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm always inspired by young people, too. And I, I think that's why the Players Coalition has really inspired me. Because in my own life, I, I will say, um, I think I've always been engaged. And I think, you know, my mom and dad brought me up with a, with a strong value system and everything else. But when I was in my 20s and probably in my 30s and, and, and maybe to a large extent now, but at least to a lesser extent, but at a young age, I was just focused on myself, my career. How am I going to get ahead? You know, get better, get better, try to get better as a coach. I was focused on all that. And all of these other things going on in society around me were sort of tangential to that. As you get older, I think for all of us, you know, you, you start to gain a different perspective and to look around you more. So when I see people that are your age or even a little bit older who are already taking an interest in social justice and in helping other people, that inspires the heck out of me as a 60-year-old person when I see young people who care enough to put in time to try to make things better. That, that inspires the heck out of me. Exactly. Well, well, we appreciate you so much. And, um, you know, that goes back to my main reason why I'm a musician. I do it for the people that listen to my music. You know, I want to be the soundtrack to their lives. You know, how can I make a difference uh, through my lyrics, whether 
you know, they're on the dance floor having a good time or whether they're on a date and they're, you know, you know, getting a little romantic, you know what I mean? And um, it's just a matter of understanding where your listeners are and seeing how you can get into their minds. And that's how I'm trying to inspire. So uh, that all being said, uh, Coach, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for hopping on with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, uh, give my love to the kids. I miss them so much. Um, I was just, uh, I was reminiscing with Coach Rex last time too. I was like, I think the last time I saw you guys was when Bob Byer famously kicked me off the uh, practice court. <laughs> he said, yes, that, would be, like, uh, that sounds like something Bob would do, yes. Um, yes. Yeah, you were up here, you were actually up here at our house uh, in Orlando with all of uh, Rex's kids and our kids and you know, it was great. We didn't get your dad up here, but we got your mom up here. I know um, it, it stunk because he was up in uh, he was up there for summer league himself. Your dad's always working. That's the thing. I mean, to to get massages to all of those guys, you have to yep. work around the clock. Like, you know, coaches, we go to practice and we get a little time because you work with the group and you're done. But your dad's working with those guys one at a time, and so you know, forget it. They he. Him, the trainer, those people, people don't realize the amount of time that, uh, that they have to put in. Those are uh, long, long days. Oh, yeah, and I appreciate my dad so much for it. Um, he's just – my dad's one of the greatest guys ever. You know that, too. Um, he Absolutely. Wanted to tell you, he wanted to tell you uh, what's up, and my mom also wanted to say hi, and she misses you, too. Yeah, well, tell them Kim and I say hello, and uh, we'll pass on your greetings uh, to our kids. Yes, love it, love it. Much love, Thank man. you. We appreciate you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. If you were balling out to this episode of MBL, follow Nick on Instagram for exclusive content at NickAquilino17. You're listening to Secure the Drip. Can't shut this mother down If you can feel my tempo Then buy it where you are You gotta switch that instrumental Get up Gonna spin this record till the sun up It's getting way too hot Can't keep her hair up I know that you could dance But girl, you know I've got it a place Sipping, I'm dripping Six rays of Scotty Pippin Head on the vision Because I
When Ric Flair's in town, showtime! Woo!